Welcome back to our growing experiment. We're here with Kendra from Plowman's Backyard. Kendra, can you tell us about yourself and uh, what you're doing? Yeah, so my name is Kendra. Uh, my husband and I started a YouTube channel about two to three years ago. And we moved to the country in about 2016 from Kingston, Ontario, and moved about two hours north which is kind of in the, in the middle of nowhere. So pretty much we have to drive an hour to get to our nearest grocery store. So um, it did raise some challenges into making us learn to grow our own more, sorry, to grow our own food and to be more self-sustainable. Um, we started our channel just to show people um, that we can do it without having or needing the experience to do so. And when we moved from the city, um, we had like zero money. So it was, a lot of people don't move and don't try and branch out because they don't think they have a lot of money. And so our experience was kind of allowing other people to see that you can do it on a very tight budget. So we bought our home um, well under 100,000 on 1 1.8 acres and started from scratch. There was no gardens. There was a little barn. So we got chickens right away and we just kind of grew our homestead from there. And we still have a lot of things to fix up. Um, but we made it work. And so I really wanted our channel to help encourage other people who want to live this lifestyle, but may not have the means or the knowledge to do so. And just be a, like a living testimony that you can do it. Yeah, like lead by example. And that's, that's great to hear because I find a lot of people that are sort of uh, in this sort of space who are getting involved in this sort of, um, this sort of lifestyle of, of growing their own food and being a little more self-reliant and that type of thing. They're self-starters. And, and just like you yeah. said, that's exactly what we need to have is people out there showing you like, no, 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 you can basically kind of be a green thumb, so to speak, or a, a greenhorn or like no nothing almost, and then learn and get going and you kind of start small. Yeah. So you mentioned that you started with like a, a small garden and then chickens. Yes. So uh, when you first started getting into it, what were the kind of uh, unexpected things you run into right away? Well, when we moved here, we actually didn't have a tiller, uh, didn't have a lawnmower, didn't have any big equipment and we still really don't. Um, so our biggest challenge was starting the garden. So we actually, didn't really know our neighbor that well at the beginning, but he came with his tractor and plowed an area. And the rest of it was putting down um, like lumber tarps and cardboard boxes to try to kill everything. And then after a year or more, we could actually till the soil by hand or see if we could borrow one from someone like a tiller. So our challenges was when we came here, we had nothing to really work with. Okay. And so um, 
after you got sort of tilling and going on, on stuff with that, uh, what did you start growing right away? Were you kind of throwing a little bit of everything in the garden right away? Were you focused right away on staples? Like how much sort of planning did you go into your first planting? So we started out with growing um, perennials. So we uh, the first thing we put in was our raspberry bushes and our asparagus. And we got those in, like we moved in in November. And I'd say by May, we had uh, 200, or 200 raspberry bushes. And we put in about 200 asparagus crowns. And we started there. And then we had maybe about a 20 by 20 garden. And it was just like your um, tomatoes, cucumbers, lettuce and little vegetables like that <laughs> and eventually it just we expanded every year and i if i could recommend anything it was it is um getting the perennials in so your small bushes so your fruit bushes nut bushes and anything that will grow back year to year whether it even be herbs and things like that because that's going to get established really quickly and it's going to give you food year after year. Um, we did put in a couple apple trees, um, but I don't recommend putting those in first just because this year we're actually getting our first apples and it's like seven years later. So if you can put your money and your time into anything, it's your small bushes and your perennial foods. That's my advice. <laughs> Okay. Well, that's, uh, that's good to hear because we, we kind of took uh, a similar track in a way when uh, we first started planting our more serious garden. One of the first things we tried was asparagus, which I planted upside down first, <laughs> too, by the way. It took her uncle coming over and looking at it and then looking at me and he's like, yeah, that's not right. <laughs> and so anyways, we corrected that little uh, snafu and then um, uh, we planted strawberries that didn't take and we tried a few yeah. other perennials. Tried. Our chives did well. Yeah. We had a few other things. So we did the same thing. And it wasn't until uh, last year we bought all of our bushes. Yeah. And we went, nice. uh, we got about 31 in total, I guess now, because we have the two hazelnut bushes we added. This year, yeah. Yeah. And then, so we got the two apple trees. We got two grapevines. And yeah, anyways, 30. Nice. And we got uh, a bunch of raspberries, some has caps, and a bunch of other stuff. But that's what we did too. Wonderful. Uh, we were, yeah, we've been enjoying some of the raspberries there already. And that's pretty fun being out there with the kids. And, you know, like, they, they can't wait to get out there because, I mean, they're fresh raspberries and they love raspberries, yeah. right? Because they're, they're so sweet. <laughs> um, you you have a couple of kids too, eh? We have one daughter. Okay. And how, how does she like the uh, the gardening farming life? She's loved it up until this point. <laughs> <laughs> she's getting older, so she's getting more responsibility and learning. Right. Right. And that's, that's really what it takes, too, when you want to start living that kind of life is everyone's got to kind of do their own little thing. Everyone's got to kind of yeah. pull their weight. Right. But yes. it's good because then you know that everyone's like a valuable team member basically. Right. Like yeah. I'm not just a kid who gets totally taken care of. I help out here. Yeah. So it's been good up to this point. So we homeschooler and that was a decision we made when we moved here. Um, so she spends a lot of time learning in the winter and in the, fall and spring and summer she does work outside with us um 
she enjoys the fruits of the labor, but doesn't enjoy working so much. <laughs> it's yeah. a challenge. But one thing is, like, I didn't grow up with a knowledge of gardening or chickens or anything like that. So it was really important for my husband and I to educate her on gardening and things. So what she wants to do with it later in life, that's her decision. But I wanted her to have that foundation. Yeah. And that's, that's a great idea too, right? Because she's, it, it's never bad to have an extra skill or extra knowledge, right? And it, it applies to biology and chemistry and all these things, right? It's just a, an extra tool in the tool belt, really. That's right. And uh, yeah, we try to do the same thing. So you said you moved out in 2016 to out in the country, you said. Yeah. So what brought you guys to that point, to wanting to move? So... Our daughter, for sure, we wanted her to live a different lifestyle and not in a bad way, but we wanted her to have a certain influence. So living in the country, she had to grow up and learn with nature around her and not so much fast paced life. The other thing was we really felt that because we're Christians, we felt that that's what God wanted for our family and it's helped us strengthen our relationship in that way yeah i i kind of uh we relate to that too and that's something like in what we do too in a way like part of the reason we want to be more self-reliant and all these kind of things is we kind of believe that's in, in accord with sort of how we're supposed to be living too yeah and we also believe that like being resilient is never a bad thing and passing on resilience is never a bad thing oh yeah and um yeah, I mean, and we're we're like a more traditional kind of family too, and like so the homeschooling thing is very interesting to us too. We we're talking lots about it. Um, so I mean, would you have any pointers or tips for homeschooling or like because we we don't really know much about it. So I we basically started doing like a school at home, and then gradually got into doing more things on our own so we used a school called a becca which is um a well-known christian homeschool and she gets like report cards and things like that um so she has that to move on in the future but one thing is like as we go i know that there's certain subjects that are more important and more focus is needed so i can gear her homeschool where I want it to go. Um, and then if she's really focused on something like when she was little, if she loved butterflies, I'd find everything I could on butterflies and educate her using butterflies. So whether it was science or doing math problems focused on butterflies, you just use what they're interested in in and focus the homeschooling around that subject and they're more interested to pay attention and learn that way um it varies from children to children um but i definitely think that with homeschooling and living in the country there's times for working in the kitchen and canning times for doing math and um, science or reading and then times for maybe doing wood, times for gardening, and it's a well-rounded education. 
Yeah, that's kind of cool because you're you're getting the uh, sort of in-class time, so to speak, where you're maybe having yeah. the sort of actually looking at the books and everything else. That's but right. Then you're getting sort of a better integrated PE where you're doing high, like you're doing you're doing functional skills as well oh, as yeah. using your body to stay active, right? And yeah. then you're integrating that knowledge too, which to me makes a whole lot of sense, right? Because if you're you're acting out what you're learning, it's really going to drive that home. Yeah, like I never really had to sit down with her and say like this is how a like a plant grows when she was like four or five she could identify like a basil or a parsley just by looking at the leaf and that's because she was surrounded by that from such an early age where i didn't have to teach her specifically what a basil plant might look like she just knew it <laughs> so i mean that's a huge blessing because when I got into gardening, I couldn't tell one plant from another. So she's already ahead of me at like a young age. So, yes. And how did you learn how to garden? You mentioned you didn't grow up gardening. What was the tools that you had? So I started out buying my plants. So in the city, I started out with a, a 10 by 10 uh, raised bed garden. And I would go out and buy my tomato plants, um, any like cucumbers, anything, and put them in and hope they grow. <laughs> and then when it got to uh, maybe two years in, I was like, maybe I should start growing my tomatoes by seed. And so I started to learn that it was using um, the web, YouTube, and asking other gardeners how to do it. And now... I find like I'm teaching people how to save seeds, like even their root vegetables that are more difficult. And it was just a slow process, one plant at a time and learning. And I still, like I've just last year, I saved my first carrot seeds from my carrots. So I'm still learning, I'm still growing, but it doesn't stop me from wanting to teach people because if I can do it, someone else can. So um, I'm just learning. I'm like everyone else, but I just have this passion for people to live out their dream. And that's exactly like, that's what we're doing. We're living out a dream that my husband and I had from before we were married. Well, that's excellent. That's something I love to hear too, because it's, you're living a life that's full of meaning, right? I mean, yeah. you have you have the integration of your faith, you have the integration of your lifestyle and your family unit. Like you have a very well integrated family, right? And that's that's going to be a very resilient family. So I mean, uh, kudos to you because that's that's a hard thing to pull off. It's not easy. Um, like when we moved here, um, my husband had lost his job because of a health condition and. It made us realize that we couldn't pay our bills the way we were living. So we decided that we wanted something that we could afford to live in if we lost all our jobs. And so it wasn't like we weren't looking geographically for a specific spot, but we were looking for a price that we could live within our means if we had no income. So that's what moved us here. And even up until um, two years ago, I lost my job and it was a 
hard decision and it was challenging, but I knew from all of our past experience that we could manage and we could do it because we made those decisions early on and chose to live here. And knowing that we put a lot of food away for the winter, knowing that our bills are low, and just by living so far from the city, you have less um, chances of wasting that money that you do have because you're not going often. So just setting yourself up um, by looking ahead, you can set yourself up for certain goals by choosing a path ahead of time, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, that makes perfect sense, like the planning and stuff that you're doing. And then even that's a similar motto that I think Sophia and I have, too, where like we kind of take pride in being pretty frugal. Like we try not to spend money really on anything as much as possible. Like, yeah, like that, that's that's kind of just what we try to do, too. We live in the cities and we're, we're pretty good. We're lucky, too. We have a, a big family that's really nearby. So nice. we go over and eat with them all the time. We basically like we cook for each other and that kind of a thing. So there's a little bit of resource sharing there. Um, but so, again, talking about budget and stuff like that. So when you're budgeting, budgeting on a homestead, what like what what's uh, what are the big budget things like what's uh, what are the things that you're always on the watch for because you're always spending? But it's like uh, if, if you can get into that. Sorry. It's hard to say. <laughs> I do spend a lot on seeds. It's kind of my thing I like, but it's not where most of it goes. Um, you can get a little focused on chickens. And as you have a love for chickens, your money seems to go there more and more. <laughs> but thankfully, we have learned over the couple years how to raise our own because we have a rooster and hens now. So we, we do well with that. Um, a lot, like, I would say, like, moving to the country, a lot of the finances kind of go to, if you're doing, like, heating with oil or something, a, a lot of your money can go there. So we switched to um, a wood stove, and now we focus more on that. And a good chunk of it is like money is spent on gas and car repairs because we have such a large distance. Um, my husband drives about 50 minutes to work every day. So that's one way. And when I was working, it was about the same. Um, so you do spend a lot more on your vehicle, whether it be um, like new tires, repairs, just upkeep and gas. And if you... If I could rearrange money, I think I would focus a little bit more on maybe like large machinery, um, like a tractor or something, because you need something, one to till, um, something to maintain your grass, your weeds. Another thing is the snow removal. So we tend to have all these little like lawnmower, little snow blower shovels. But I think if I could do it over i would focus more on something large that would do all those jobs because mm -hmm. i think it's really important um we get a lot of snow like there's years that i am up past my hip with snow for a good chunk of the winter um 
I don't know if that answered your question or not, but yeah, no, that's that's good because uh, that's that's one of the things that people run into too when they first kind of get in, get into it is you know how do you start and where do you start and those are the kind of things that you run into and like you said there with the like basically like a, a tractor right right if you had like a snow big snowblower or a couple of different things on there it could and it could save you guys a whole lot of time and work and all that kind of stuff too well because. There's also maintenance on all those little things, whether it be your tillers, your lawnmowers, weed eaters, anything. And if you're paying for someone to come in and mow your property or um, to snow removal, one, if you had one tool, then I think you would spend less time and less money on maintaining that if you needed to. But I mean, yeah. we don't have one. That's our kind of our goal is to get there, but. So we talked a bit about financials or is there any other kind of advice that you'd want to give to anybody who's interested in homesteading or kind of wanting to come a little more self-reliant wherever they are? I think if you, like, I love that I live so far out. I'm not as far as some, but I love that I have that pro like privacy and it's very quiet here but I don't enjoy the travel so much. So after about seven years, I'm kind of like, I'm done with driving, right? Like you're driving to get groceries. Um, we had my daughter in swimming lessons. So it was like, we had two weeks of driving an hour and a half just for swimming lessons for her for two weeks. So that was a lot. I think if you don't mind driving, if you can afford the upkeep of a vehicle and you don't mind being on your own, living here was great. But I think if you're not ready for that, definitely, I think a half hour to the like city is comfortable for people. Um, we do like I we, we were looking at numbers last week and a lot of it, like a lot of a big chunk of finances are spent in travel time. And I think you need to prepare for that if you're going to move as far out as we did. So it's something to really consider. So we might have um, like a relatively low um, spending for the month, whether it be our mortgage or things like that. But then like I think for a month we were eighteen hundred dollars just in gas in the last month so well, you have to calculate if it's worth it so really um ask around if there's people out there that live far um that have done it ask around and see where their money's spent before you do it no that's really good advice and i don't think we've heard that before but that's the just the sort of cost and upkeep kind of stuff that uh, it's easy to be very starry eyed and run into it with your heart first kind of thing and sometimes yeah. your heart runs uh face first into a wall yes <laughs> but um, i wouldn't change it like we love the experiences we've gotten here but just looking at everything in a whole there's things we consider if we do it again yeah, and that's that's always uh, the hindsight, right? You yeah. always can kind of look back and say, oh, yeah, I would do this different or that. 
Um, and so another thing that I guess you'd have to consider when you're living that far out is uh, like basic medical treatment and stuff like that. I mean, you're working on yes. the farm, you get nicks and scrapes and these type of things. So I imagine you must have to have a sort of, uh, you have to be kind of handy around the farm and, and do without with that. So do you guys have any kind of home remedies or how, how do you do with that? So we do. Um, <laughs> that's one thing that if you have children, especially, you're going to run into issues with, you know, sicknesses or hurting themselves. So we live 50 minutes to the nearest hospital, but it's a tiny hospital and they would have to probably take you by helicopter to a decent sized hospital. So that's something to consider, but we do use a lot of remedies. So especially with cold sicknesses um we use a lot of herbs um different flowers that are edible we use in the winter for as teas and things but also um, i have comfrey which is a great medicinal herb you can put it on wounds or sores and learning more about what you can do at home to prevent having to go to the hospital now it we do go when we need to, but we do try other things medicinally first. So we use things. Um, I don't know if you heard of um, charcoal. We use charcoal for almost everything, um, whether it be an upset stomach, if you have a little infection or a cut, um, you put it on, like just mix it up and put like a damp cloth on it, wrap it up. It usually heals things like green clay are excellent for burns scrapes um there i do want to do like a whole line of her natural remedies uh that you can do at home on our channel but i haven't got there yet and i'm not a natural pass so i'm a little nervous of putting it out there but the things that we use that we know like i will share with people but definitely when you live this far you got to have a huge a few tricks up your sleeve <laughs> and where did you learn those tricks was it something that you also found on the web and that kind of thing it's actually from like friends and family and like amish communities that have taught me that's yeah. that's one of those things too uh if i could like really find an amish person to talk to i'd super be into that because <laughs> I kind of admire the idea that like there was a certain point where society was kind of going one way and they were like, you know what, we're good here. And they yeah. just, they just kind of like hit the stop button in a way and they're like, all right, and then we're going to go do this. Yeah. And, I mean, they've been, I mean, a lot of these Amish communities, they have to be like 150 years old. Like they're, they're old communities, right? Mm -hmm. And you have, you have a, you have a few kind of in around your area there. So we do. Um, I want to say about 50 minutes, there's a huge community Amish, about an hour and 20 minutes south, there's another huge Amish community, and then we have Mennonites locally around us as well. And as another thing too, um, what would be like the difference between Mennonite and Amish? I don't know all the details, but okay. first sight, the Amish... They have plain dress and head coverings and are horse and buggy. And Mennonites have like floral dresses, head coverings, and usually drive cars. <laughs> That's okay. about what I get from it. But yeah. 
Okay, that's good for the broad strokes. That's that's sort of what I had thought too. Okay. That's how I tell them apart. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, that's that's something I, I find really interesting and it would be cool to see. Like, but I have to imagine part of it is even like I mean, yeah, I would have to imagine they're private people, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean that's kind of part of the point I imagine for we went we went and lived out here because we didn't want to talk to everybody all the time, I would imagine, right? <laughs> It's true. But a lot of um, like the Amish usually have um, fruit markets available. So that's how we've gotten connected with them. They have them everywhere. And I find that the Mennonites around here, they do like to mingle with the community more. So that is a difference as well. The, the Amish kind of, they're at the markets, but they're not out working in the community like the Mennonites would be. They keep to themselves a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had a question there and I forgot all of a sudden. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so another thing that we got here for one of our questions, which is maybe a good way to start going, uh, actually perfectly sort of uh, fits along with the idea of the Amish starting their tradition because they sort of broke off and did their own community. Have you started your own sort of traditions out on the farm? Uh, have you brought traditions from your family and sort of integrated them with the farm? Or what, what do you, uh, what's your take on traditions or being traditional? I don't know that I have any really traditional things. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really have anything I can think of. Okay. Well, this is really new, like, cause when I grew up, like, um, I wasn't in the country. I wasn't a Christian. I was in a very different world almost. So after having our daughter, it opened our eyes and we wanted to live a different lifestyle. And that's, we're just, I guess, starting traditions now with her. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's exactly it. Like, like, uh, well, because to me, like, I kind of think of even uh, being Christian, I think of as being kind of traditional. I mean, when you think of the modern sort of culture, uh, well, I mean, Christians seem to be the only people that people can make fun of anymore, which is, I don't know, kind of kind of interesting. And the Christians are pretty good natured, so they don't seem to mind. <laughs> but I mean, that's a bit of a joke, I'm sure. I'm sure it minds a little bit. But, but anyways, I mean, uh, no, because I think of that as being a bit traditional, because I mean, it's, it's kind of saying no to the modern world in a lot of ways because, I mean, you're like, we have a certain lifestyle and a certain code and we do things a certain way, right? And so mm -hmm. that's where I was kind of thinking like, or, or maybe you don't see that as being traditional or? The only thing, it doesn't necessarily relate to homesteading, but what we do here, like Christmas is very different here. So like we have... We decided to have a Christmas tree. We don't really necessarily want it to be about like, you know, buying gifts and all that stuff. But what we've started in our family is we put little tags on our tree. For the month of December, we'll put like a Thanksgiving tag on the tree. And we have like a container we put money in. So when we're when we have something we're thankful for, we put a little tag and we'll put like a little donation in there. And at the end of the month um, for January, we decide as a family where we want to put that money into some charity. 
it's not really homesteading related, but that's really the only tradition we've started as a family that I see. Well, that's, that's excellent too, because, and I, I guess I could relate it to homesteading the way where it's sort of the idea of paying it forward, right? And sort of looking, because uh, it goes back to being mindful of your resources, right? Because especially that time of year when a lot of people yeah. are, in some cases, going into credit card debt to make sure that their kids have every toy under the sun. You know, you're, yeah. you're thinking, well, no, we're going to take things a little bit differently. We're going to talk about being grateful and then we're going to take our mm -hmm. gratitude and store it up in this sort of way and share our gratitude with somebody who maybe needs a little gratitude. Yeah. And I think that homesteading can make you more thankful. I think that it changes people in a way that is different from society today. I don't know if it's any connection to the fast paced world, but there's something about homesteading that makes you realize that you're kind of no different than other people and that you want to help. So one thing that I talk about with modern homesteading and how it's different from the traditional homesteading you would think about is working together as a community. And I really, push that because so so often we think we have to do everything ourselves we have to grow all of our own food we and that society has made us to be independent so as much as i like to say self-sustainability or self-reliance um i think we do better by working with our community and if you can find people around you that are living a similar lifestyle, you don't have to have this pressure that you have to grow like 100 pounds of tomatoes for the year, you know, share that responsibility and share with your neighbor and encourage one another and things work out better. Like we wouldn't be where we are without the help of a neighbor or two, you know, so community is really important. And I think, for instance, when we left the city in our city home, if we were like shoveling, we would shovel snow off the driveway and our neighbor would get angry <laughs> because the snow went on her grass like a little strip. And I remember one time she had threatened to call the police because we put snow on her grass or, you know, and then we moved out here. My husband just had surgery in November and it was in the first couple of weeks we moved here and we got a dumping of like 40 centimeters of snow and he couldn't go out shovel. And I'm like trying, my daughter was probably like four at the time. And I was so overwhelmed. I was ready to call it quits like two weeks in, but our neighbors, they would just come and plow us out. We didn't know them. We didn't ask. And it was a huge difference from what we had seen all those years in the city compared to what is now our community that we live in. Yeah. Did you find it difficult going from the city? Like, so when they first start plowing the driveway and stuff, were, were you a little shy or did you come out and wave right away or? We were how, really how did the first thankful. Go? I didn't, I don't think I was necessarily shy. Um, I was shocked <laughs> that they would do that. Um, but it's been such a community, a good community that has really helped us stay here. Um, 
you know, we still do a lot of stuff on our own, but having a good, a good community helps when you live so far. So for instance, if there was a fire, you know, heaven forbid, but if there was a fire, an emergency, we would call the neighbor before we call 911 because 9111, sorry, I'm hearing an echo. It's really annoying, (laughs) but (laughs) in my headset. So it would take a long time for maybe like a half hour to get an ambulance here, but having your community um, can really help. Like they really help if basically if there is a fire, the volunteers are your neighbors. So I don't, I don't know where he's going. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. Like that's, that's talking more about relying on your neighbors sort of. And like, I mean, that's, that's a big thing to call on a neighbor for too. when you're putting, putting out a fire. Right. I mean, that's, uh, that's what we do. Like there's a couple people that have had chimney fires in the last year or two. And it's been the neighbors that go out and put it out before like, the fire truck gets here like mm-hmm. we haven't had it but we've had neighbors that have yeah that's something that we kind of talk a lot about especially like through this podcast is just how we want to be self-reliant but at the same time we always fall back on you need a community to do this right like you said you're not going to be starting to yeah create your own clothing that yeah. kind of thing yes and we were never created to be an island to ourselves. You know, like I need my husband, he needs me and we need other people. So as much as we want to make sure that we have food in our home and, you know, wood in the wood stove, there's nothing to say that you can't work with other people to get there. And I think that's what's so wrong in society today. And even looking at homesteading or self-reliance, it puts a lot of pressure on a family that might have one or two children, or maybe even they don't even have a spouse. But looking back to my grandparents who had like nine and 12 or 14 kids, there's a lot of pressure on smaller families today to live up to the quotas homeschool or homeschooling, homesteading that used to be back then we don't have the same resources and knowledge as they did so for people moving from the city and expect to live that way it's a lot of pressure and i think if that's your focus and your goal at the beginning you might fail so keeping your mind open to working together and sometimes falling on the, on the shoulders of someone else is going to make you su- succeed more than being self-sufficient, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Going a little further uh, together kind of thing. Absolutely. That's where, like you're saying, the families were bigger previously. So now we kind of have to go into our community because the families are so small, right? You just kind of mm-hmm. have to find your own family. Yeah. So, for instance, I use like a a weed barrier in my garden and I've had lots of people be like, that's not gardening. And I've spent my time weeding gardens, but realizing like I work two jobs, my husband worked, I homeschool my daughter, 
my time is valuable. And if I can save a little bit of weeding, I'm actually adding more valuable value to my life by having those little conveniences that people might not agree with, you know? So even in this lifestyle, we have to still balance family life and, and some fun. And so if you can kind of cut some spots, like having a weed barrier or um, maybe bring someone in to mow your grass once a week, there's nothing wrong with that. And so that's my take on modern homesteading. We still need a good balance from homesteading to life and family time. You'll get yeah. burnt out if you don't. <laughs> No, that's exactly right. And uh, that's that's like a, a, with us too, even like, I mean, uh, I work full time and we got two kids around the house, you know, and then we got the garden going on. So you're right. You have to manage your time yeah. because, uh, yeah, sometimes when you get home after work or whatever, you're tired and all that kind of stuff and all yeah. the energy you got, you really got to focus on your kids, say, mm -hmm. or you got to do something else or that. And then if you're all, if you're running ragged all the time, you're not happy and you're probably not very nice to be around. And <laughs> I mean... Well, and I, and I think that's even uh, an injunction, too, for the faith, right? I mean, on the seventh day, the Lord rested, right? And so that's we right. all need our little bit of rest, too. That's right. <clears throat> yep. So you said uh, you started the YouTube channel wanting to just kind of share information and uh, let people know that, you know, it's doable to, you know, move yes. and kind of follow that lifestyle. So what kind of stuff do you talk about on the YouTube channel? Well... Just about everything. So I do share a lot of gardening stuff and a lot of stuff regarding chickens because chickens was really new new to us and we hadn't done it before we moved here. So I always, when you look at certain channels and they have like tons of chicken videos, things work out and you're watching them and you're like, Oh, that's how they do it. And then you go and you try and it doesn't work. And so part of what I want to do on our channel and what I do talk about is the hard stuff. So like we got into broody chickens so that we didn't have to incubate our own eggs and hatch them out. And for two years we tried and the broody hens would get off the, the eggs. One of them would peck the chick and kill it. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? Like, why can't I do this? So our videos, I do share and I do talk about those things so that people know that they're not alone. And so even though I share like how to grow this or how to grow that, or I often do videos where I just talk about you know, my challenges and my like personal experience so that it can be an encouragement to someone else. Mm -hmm. um, another thing that um, you talked about on your, on your YouTube channel, I think it was on our YouTube channel was uh, Bill C11. So that's something that uh, really bears uh, in mind for a person, especially who's a content creator on, on YouTube. Yeah. Um, I know very peripherally what it's about. Uh, from what I know of it, I don't like the sounds of it. Uh, would you be able to go into a little bit of detail and maybe uh, let us know maybe what's 
what are the high points and maybe what are the concerning things? Um, so the issues with C11 is the fact that um, as a content, as a Canadian content creator, my goal is to reach Canadian viewers. So we gear a lot of our gardening on cold climate gardening. And so if I'm trying to reach a viewer that wants to learn about cold climates and that want to learn from a Canadian perspective, Spill C11 can stop someone from finding my channel if I don't fit um, C11's approval or if I'm not Canadian enough or if I have different views from what they're wanting. So it affects me because there are so many other cold climates around the world, for instance, like Australia. And if you're a Canadian wanting to learn how to cold climate garden, and you come up to channels that are Australian or um, down in the States, maybe Alaska or something, you're not going to find, or it's going to be harder to find a Canadian channel if they don't fit the standard of a Canadian content creator under Bill C-11. I don't know if I if I'm explaining it right, but, yeah. um, and so who, who is then uh, defining what is Canadian and what is not Canadian? That that's the thing. I don't know what they do consider is Canadian. So for hmm. instance, you were asking earlier about my home remedies that could easily be something they don't agree with, right? Like they're going to want you to go to the, the hospital to use the pharmacies they don't want you to be at home because you're not spending money in the pharmaceutical world so that could be easily a thing that i could be not pushed out to other canadian viewers so it does limit us because we can't reach the demographic we want to but also it affects our viewer because they're not getting the information they're searching for. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and, that, and that's quite troubling too. Cause I mean, when you start sort of talking about or quantifying the level of Canadian, I guess information is, or when you really start talking about um, how appropriate information is for adults to have access to. Yeah. I have to strongly call into question like sort of, well, how much respect we have for our citizens abroad if we don't trust them to make the very basic life decisions. I mean, from what I understand, most adults are responsible for keeping themselves alive. And I, mm -hmm. I understand a great deal of that is like, you know, eating the right things and not the wrong things yeah. and a bunch of other stuff. So. Yeah, I mean, that's that, that's pretty troubling if we don't, if it we're is. not trusting, because we're trusting these citizens to vote for the people who run the country, who make the laws, but mm -hmm. we're not trusting the citizens to make decisions about their own lives. So they're allowed to decide who makes the rules for them, but they're not allowed to decide 
what rules they will follow or or anything like that well let's face it i i'm sure it's the same with you guys but we do often get help from other content creators so we would we be here today gardening homesteading what be it if we hadn't searched for ourselves so if that was in place, would I be here? Would I know how to garden? Would I know how to look after chickens? And if they're taking that away, what's to say other things aren't being taken away that we don't know about? Yeah, and that's that's the real the real crux of the issue, right? I mean, when especially today, information is, I mean, at least as valuable as gold now, and arguably more so. I mean. When you see where uh, a lot of big uh, big wallets are putting their attention, it's, it's into information and acquiring as yeah. much information as possible. And then when you when you limit the ability to have access to information, you're exactly right. Like I wonder how much of the content that I viewed with regard to gardening was Canadian enough or yeah. inappropriate for my 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 eyes, you know. I can't imagine how many inappropriate things I might have seen over the years related to yeah. my own particular interests. Yes. Yeah. And and so as I understand that too, that is past second reading. Is it is it in effect? Is it in law? Or is I, it has not? I think it's in effect. Yes. Okay. And so have you have you noticed any any changes that you can tell? Have you noticed any uh, drop off in your outreach or? not so much we a lot of our viewers come from the u.s when we first started out a lot of our viewers came from india and maybe two years ago we noticed an increase in canadians during the whole pandemic people were searching people were wanting to move out they were wanting to learn to garden so we did notice an increase in canadians during that time but i haven't really noticed since then right yeah yeah i mean it's one of those things i guess uh if if all things were you know with best intention and everyone did exactly what they said they would do because what, what i understand the argument if we're if we'll give credit to the people who put forward the bill their mm -hmm. argument is that they believe they'll help canadian content providers get in front of more canadian eyes that's right right now yes. and i mean that's that's all with the the asterisk the uh, the the proviso of so long as you're not saying anything that you shouldn't be saying yeah and to look at their perspective what they're wanting is less i don't know i forget i read it somewhere like there's other videos like um chinese japan things like that. There's lots of those videos and they're just wanting to find the, the right viewers for that and have less of that in front of Canadians. But doing that, it's like a two-edged sword. Like you're going to lose some good, valuable Canadian content while trying to get rid of maybe other content they're not wanting you to see. Who's to say where they draw that line? I don't know that. Yeah. And I mean, even let's say while you're starting your research and you don't really know where to look, say you do come yeah. across a Japanese or a Chinese That's video right. and they happen to say something that was like, oh, 
the whole video is mostly nonsense, but like this one little thing I got out of there was an yeah. awesome little tip. And I still use that tip today because mm -hmm. that's even sort of part of the wonder of the internet in a way is I that's guess right. you're kind of wandering around you're kind of, Oh, what's this? Oh, what's this? You kind of have to, you have to wonder and try things. That's why they always right. called it the World Wide web. You could get information from everywhere. So to limit that seems weird to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a whole uh, rat's nest. Yeah. And even yeah, myself, I, I try always to find Canadian content, but you just look for it, right? You do. It doesn't like there, there's everything out there, but you yeah. just look for what you want. You don't need it to be right in front of you. You can yeah. look, that's the whole idea, look. right? Yeah. There's, there's actually a lot of people have been using the internet to find the things they want pretty well. Like, I mean, so it might be harder to find Canadian content, but if you do look, it is there. It's there. It's yeah. interesting because when we first started out, we couldn't find any other Canadian creators. And, but I would say over the last year and a half, I've realized a whole bunch of Canadian content creators, which I think is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I do too, because like every now and again, I'm wonderfully surprised where I'll be listening because I, I listen to lots of uh, podcasts and stuff. And someone will be saying something really interesting or whatever, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, and uh, so I live in Toronto or whatever. I grew up in in Montreal or, you know, like, they're a Canadian. And, like, there's yeah. lots of times where – and it's it's kind of cool to hear that one of your uh, your fellow countrymen is, you know, out there doing well or people are hearing them or they have something to say that's valuable. That's right. Yeah, yeah. we do more than build igloos and live in them. <laughs> yeah exactly right? like it's changing that whole connotation to what canadians were thought of we're just like everybody else <laughs> just a little yeah. more snow yeah well so it's been great talking to you and we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us if, yeah, if thanks people for having wanna, me. yeah if people want to uh view more of your content or uh or get access to your page where, where are they going to find you so they can find us on YouTube, Plowman's Backyard. We're also on Instagram as well as uh, Facebook. Um, we do have a website, plowmansbackyard.com. You can check us out there and send us a message as well. Um, yeah, we're just, we're happy when we can reach other people and even happier when we can reach Canadians. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yes. Thanks for having me.